I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant man. Committed to him in everything I do believe he'll come again. And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham. Hello everyone and welcome to the Covenant Living Broadcast. I'm David Weeder. Let's have a word of prayer and get right back into the word this week. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for this uh, exciting time of sharing your word about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the New Testament born-again believer. Hallelujah. Father, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, reveal to the people the awesomeness of your power, your wisdom, your insight that should be manifesting in their lives and can be as they grab a hold of this by faith. In Jesus' name, glory to God. I know, you know, you've, you've heard the old expression, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, but Holy Ghost insight, oh, it's a whole lot better than that. Glory to God. Now, let's get into the Word. Last week, <laughs> last week we laid a foundation and we talked about the difference between the Holy Spirit in and the Holy Spirit upon. And we showed line upon line, precept upon precept, in the scripture, the difference between in and upon, and we showed three different examples of the word talking about the Holy Spirit upon. So now, what I want to do, I want to look into the days of the early church in Acts and show you a couple examples of what I was talking about. So first of all, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to begin reading in verse 12, and we're going to read all the way down through 17, because I want you to see this whole story. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. All right, let's stop right there. So Philip was preaching. He was preaching the things of the kingdom of God. And they believed in the name of Jesus Christ and they were baptized. So they're born again, baptized believers, right? All right, let's go on. Then Simon himself, Simon that was the sorcerer, believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Okay, so now Philip believed, he's born again, and he was baptized in water. And so now we got two examples. They're born again and water baptized. Glory to God. Now let's continue. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Well, now, wait a minute. They had already believed in the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were already water baptized. They were born again, water baptized believers. 
But yet, Peter and John prayed that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost upon. Let's keep reading. For as yet, he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So that reinforces what we just saw in the first two voice, verses. They believed in the Lord Jesus. They were born again. They were baptized in water, just said, baptized in water. And then there was an additional event of the apostles laying their hands upon them and praying for them for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. But let's get another witness to this. So go over a couple chapters to Acts chapter 18. I love the Word of God. Glory to God. And I love to follow the Scriptures and see the workings of the kingdom of God. Whew, glory to God. All right, chapter 18, and let's go down to verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the Spirit, he spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Water baptism. That's what he knew was water baptism. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, <laughs> they said, okay, now, boy. <laughs> they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Because all he knew was dunk him in water, <laughs> okay? And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, whom, when he was come, helped them much, who had, been, who had believed through grace. So they had already believed. They were saved by grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So they were saved by grace. He knew about baptism of John, the baptism of water. Now, Let's go on down. You know this wasn't divided into chapter and verse, okay? So let's just read right straight through here. And it came to pass that while Apollo was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. That's important. They're already disciples. Finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Since you were born again, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. 
And he said unto them, Then what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism, the repentance of sin, baptized in water. That's one. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's two. They're born again. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were already disciples. They were already believers. Have you been baptized with the Holy Ghost since you believed? Then Paul laid his hands upon them, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place. The Spirit of God came on them, and they spoke with other tongues. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we talked about in last broadcast. And now we see it demonstrate, demonstrated and played out in the New Testament church. Glory to God. Now, I want to put one more exclamation point on this principle. So, go with me back, back to John. I told you we're looking at a lot of these scriptures from different sides of the mountain. Back to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And look at verses 13 and 14. This is talking about the woman at the well. And Jesus tells her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, in him, a well of water springing up for what? Into eternal life, being born again. Now, you can study this out, and this is a whole different study, and it would be a series in itself. But you can trace it through the Bible and see that the that water is a type of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It, it doesn't take long. It's very, very clear in Scripture that it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, here we see that it shall be in Him a well of water, a well, a well of of water springing up into eternal life. Now, a well is primarily for your own personal use. You have a well at your home, it's for your household, you, you know, you use it for your own use. But your well, your well at your home doesn't supply the city. Ah, but turn over a couple of chapters to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And let's look at uh, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood 
cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And, now we talk, now, now look, let him come unto me and drink. He just talked about that in John chapter 4. The well springing forth. And, and he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. Now we're talking about rivers. A well is one thing. It supplies your own personal needs. But rivers supply cities. They supply the man, they supply mankind, countries, whole nations with the water that's needed for growth and vitality. This is an example of how this process works. The Holy Spirit is in you. But we know and we've seen in the scriptures where he's on you. Well, which is right? Both of them. Both of them are right. This is a difference between the Holy Spirit as his ministry was evidenced in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit now since Jesus went to his father and sent him back into the earth. There are several instances in the Old Testament where the, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon somebody. But it's, it was always a prophet, a priest, or a king. The Holy Spirit came upon Joshua. Though The scripture says the Holy, Holy Spirit would come upon Samson at times. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul to be a leader of the, of the nation of Israel. And then it says it departed. This is why the disciples, they never heard, He shall be in you. They had, and, and, and he was just talking to disciples. That was strange to their hearing too because in the Old Covenant it was only prophets, priests, kings that the Spirit of God would come upon for wisdom to, to, to rule, for strength and power. The ministry of the Holy Spirit stays the same. Wisdom, revelation, power. But it will only come on certain people and it was only on them. Now Jesus is saying he shall be in you but yet we're still talking about on. How does that work? Let me show you. This illustration I saw from my spiritual father, Brother Kenneth Copeland, and it's just wonderful. Now, in the Old Covenant, the Spirit of God could only come upon someone, prophet, priest, or king. And so this is what it looked like. Hey, I did that without it spilling everywhere. That's pretty good. It would come on them for the people. But they are now in a position to where the well springing up in them. Ah, oh, we're born again. 
born again, born again, the Holy Spirit in them, into everlasting life. And the baptism in and overflowing. Glory to God. This is what it looks like. Filled, overflowing, that whole glass is filled to the brim and covered with a type, in this case, of the Holy Spirit. Can you see it now? This is a demonstration of the Spirit within, born again, Spirit-filled and baptized. How glory to God! Absolutely, the Spirit of God smeared all over us, rubbed on us, on us like a coat for revelation, wisdom, power in our lives, and for ministering to other people. Rivers of water flowing out of our bellies. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I can't spill the water and I can't jump up and run because I've got a microphone on. Okay, well, glory to God. Now you can see it. We finally got somewhere with this. All of this that we've been talking about for six over six weeks now. We had a picture of the magnitude, best as we could figure with our minds, of the power, the spirit of power, and then the spirit of wisdom that it took. And now we're filled with them. We're covered with them. We're overflowing with them. But if that's true, why are we not seeing more results in people around us of wisdom, revelation, and power? Well, I want to draw your attention back to the Word. Everything we do has got to be back in the Word. Every instance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament was evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Every single one of them. Now, I draw your attention back to our, the scriptures that we started with the beginning of last week. Romans 8.26, the Spirit of the Lord takes hold together with us against our infirmities, making intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 14, praying in an unknown tongue, divine secrets and mysteries unto our Father, but pray that you may interpret that your mind be fruitful. It is no wonder that every single incident in the New Testament church where there was baptism of the Holy Spirit was demonstrated with praying in tongues. You're, divine, you're, you're praying divine secrets so that you may have the wisdom. Now, let me settle one thing really quick and let me... Let's see. Go back to the, the example that we saw in Acts chapter 8. I got so excited. It took me a second to figure out where I was there for a minute, man. I got this, I got this example over here staring me in the face. It keeps stirring me back up. 
All right, Acts chapter 8. Because a lot of people say that there was no evidence of speaking in tongues in this example. They try to say there wasn't any evidence when Paul got uh, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit too. And that's, that's ridiculous. There in chapter, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, I, I rejoice that I pray more than all of you put together. In the Amplified Version it says that. All of you put together I pray more in the Spirit. So that's just, that's just ridiculous. That's, it's what Brother Hagin used to say. It's ignorance gone to seed. Glory to God. All right. So, uh, and that, actually that's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. He says, more than you all put together in the, in the Amplified Classic Version. But right now, look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 21. Uh, and I want to show you, <laughs> this is so outstanding. I'm not smart enough to think of this myself. I mean, it wasn't even the Holy Ghost. Well, it was the Holy Ghost that revealed it to me, but it was through a conversation with my spiritual father. So you've got this whole example down through here. They laid hands on them and that they received the Holy Ghost. And then Simon, this is verse 18. Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given. He offered a money saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter saying unto, said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou thought that the gift of God is a gift from God. A gift from God. We're going to see that later. Purchased with money. Thou, verse 21, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Now, are you ready for this, my brother and sister? I have no idea why they translated this matter. If you look up that word matter in the Greek, it's the Greek word logos. And the Greek word logos means words, speech, spoken words, conversation. In other words, Simon's standing here. He's watching all of this go on. He's watching the apostles lay hands on these people for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he's wanting this because he's hearing the conversation that's taking place praying in tongues. You have no lot in this matter. You have no lot in this praying in tongues because you think the gift of God can be bought. Look at that. Would you look at that? He heard them speaking in tongues. Just like every other example, they received the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues. Why is this so important? Well, I'm going to introduce you. To, I'm going to introduce this right now and then we'll pick it up next time. The reason praying in tongues is so important. As a matter of fact, this is, this is the... This is the reason, and we'll go into the scripture for it. Tongues is the gateway to the supernatural. I want to say that again. Tongues is the gateway to the supernatural. Why is that? It's words. That's why. This is a word created Word-controlled, word-dominated universe. We saw that way back in the first week of this series. God stepped 
to the edge of existence and said, Light be. And those words are still expanding our universe at 186,000 miles per second. The word says, man is justified by his words. He's also condemned by his words. Well, it's not just English words. It's not just Japanese words. It's not just German words. It's words, bless God, and it includes the words of the Spirit spoken in the language of the Spirit known and described in the New Testament as unknown tongues or praying in tongues. Now, that's where we're going to pick it up next time because there's some very interesting details in this study. How does speaking in tongues, speaking in those words of the Spirit, how does that affect our lives and what difference does it make anyway? Well, I'm glad you asked because you're going to have to tune in next week to, to find out because I'm all out of time. I just, just zips right by. I get to doing illustrations and following the Word and it just goes right by. Glory to God. But I tell you what, there ain't nobody having as much fun at this as I am. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you might be. I can't see you in there. I, I don't know. Are you running around your living room yet? You should be if you're not. Anyway, next week, when we talk about the words, I want to give you some personal examples in, in my life as well as some uh, examples in, in, in other people's lives that I know closely and personally. So we're going to pick up there. Until then... Remember that everyone, Lynn, myself, we love you so much. We, want, we do this for you, for your deliverance, for your growth, for your healing, for your prosperity, for peace in your family, teaching you the words of life. Glory to God. So remember that we do love you. But not quite as much as God loves you. He loves you. Everything he does is for you, and he's never, ever against you. And Jesus is Lord. Thank you, partners and friends, for helping make these broadcasts possible. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, be sure to follow us on Instagram, and you can also listen to our broadcasts on iTunes. Contact us at davidweeder.org or call us at one 800 988 5380 to send praise reports, request prayer, or for more information about our ministry and how to become a partner.